Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 is where we're going to be this morning. The writer says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. How many of you have seen uh, the musical The Greatest Showman? Okay. I love musicals. was in musicals in high school. Um, I don't know if that means I have to hand over my man card or something like that, but um, so be it. But I love musicals, and I love the movie The Greatest Showman. And if you've seen it, then you understand that it's a story of P.T. Barnum, you know, Barnum Bailey's Circus, and it's based on Barnum's life. And you also know then, if you've seen the movie, that there comes a point in the movie when Barnum becomes distracted. He becomes distracted by the beautiful, world-famous voice of Ginny Lynn. And as the movie continues to play out, we really come to understand that the biggest voice of distraction in Barnum's life is not really the voice of Miss Lynn, but it's Barnum's voice for approval. To validate him as a success. And throughout the movie, he begins to allow and listen to that voice that distracting voice of Miss Lind and voice for approval. And what ends up happening is this distracting voice causes him to drift away from the ones who love him most. And so I wonder this morning, what is the distracting voice or voices in your life that are causing you to drift or be disobedient to the one who loves you most, Jesus. Maybe it is the voice of fear. You're so afraid of losing control, so you seek to control everything in your life because at the, at the, at the core of that fear really is a lack of faith and trust in God and his control and over your life. Or maybe it's the voice of worry that's controlling you. So worry about the future and it's keeping you from spending time with Jesus. Maybe it's the voice for approval. This week as I was thinking through this and I took out a card that is near your seat and began to write down the voices that have been distracting me. And one of those is the voice for approval. If I'm honest, it's the voice for approval. Maybe for others, it's a voice of shame. It keeps coming back into your heart and mind, your past. And you look at your past and 
It just keeps you from believing that this one who loves you really does love you. Or maybe it's the voice in your head that just keeps obsessing about health problems, financial burdens, and what is that distracting voice? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a card that's near you this morning, and I want you to name that voice. And by that, I mean I want you to write down the voice or voices that are distracting you, that are causing you to drift, if you will, or be disobedient to the one voice that matters more than any other, and that's the voice of Jesus. Because I believe the Spirit of God this morning wants, and I'm going to ask you later, I think he, he wants us to surrender that distracting voice. And he wants us to surrender that distracting voice, believing that the voice of Jesus is better than. And as we discovered last week, as we began this study in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews really reminds us that whatever you think or feel is better than following Jesus, Jesus is better than. And whatever voice you think or feel is better than listening to the voice of Jesus, the writer's going to remind us this morning that the voice of Jesus is better than. Look at verse 1. He says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. There's a powerful truth that he, he lays out for us as he launches this letter, and it's the, the reality that God speaks. That God speaks. The God of the universe speaks, which means he has something to say. He has something that he wants to say to you, to us. He has this voice that needs to be listened to. And the writer says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, our, the patriarchs, if you will. Think Old Testament history here. God spoke to our fathers, how? By the prophets. And so in, in Old Testament history, God often spoke to his people through patriarchs like Abraham and Moses, through prophets like Samuel, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah. But then he makes this contrast, right? And look at verse 2. So, so the writer's saying, in the past, God spoke. God had, when God had something to say, he, he, he said it this way, or he used these people to be his spokesperson, if you will, his voice. But in verse 2, he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to who? To us. How? By his son. He's spoken to us in these last days by his son. Now, if you were a Jew living in this period of time, that the term last days would refer to that moment when the Messiah came. When the promised rescuer that God said he would send arrived. And so the time period of the last days would refer to the moment Jesus Christ was born on earth to the time when Jesus Christ, who ascended back to heaven, returns again. Does that make sense? All right, so the last days is the birth of Christ to the return of Christ. Are we living in the last days? Yes. How does God speak to us? By his Son, Jesus. 
God has spoken. God has something to say to us. And he says it through Jesus. And I think what the writer's wanting us to see is that Jesus is the better patriarch. Jesus is the better prophet. Jesus is the better voice. It's not that the voices before were wrong. It's just that now God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So why should we listen to this voice? Why listen to the voice of Jesus over any other voice? And I think the writer unpacks the reasons for why we should listen to the voice of Jesus and why the voice of Jesus is better than any other. And I think in just verses two and three, he gives us seven reasons why the voice of Jesus is better. And he starts, he says, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Jesus Christ is the heir. He's the rightful heir of all things. Jesus is the only son, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his, what? His only son. So he's the only son. He's the rightful heir, the only heir to everything that God owns. Well, what is it that God owns? Everything. Job 41.1, God says, everything under heaven is mine. So the son legally has this right to everything that is the father's, which is you. The money that's in your pocketbook, the money that's in your wallet, it's God's. The, where you live, your home, all your possessions, the stars, the sun, it's his and it's rightfully the son's because the son is the appointed heir of all things. Now here's what's ridiculously crazy about grace. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter. And if a son, then what? An heir. That should blow us away. The fact that the only son says, I love you so much, I want to share everything that is rightfully mine with you. And to make that happen, I'm going to put myself on the cross so that this thing that's keeping you from becoming part of the family can be done with. And then when you by faith put your faith in me, you become part of my family. And Hebrews 2 says that Jesus is your brother. Hebrews 2.11. Jesus loves you so much. He is all, it's all his. And he says, I love you so much that I want to share this with you. His voice is the voice of family. And his voice is the voice that made you family. That's why his voice is better. And the writer goes on in Hebrews Chapter 1, he says, not only is he God's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he, what? Created the world. In the beginning, what? 
God created the heavens and the earth. The writer is telling us that Jesus created all things. Wasn't great at math, but there's some kind of algebraic equation going on here. If A equals B, whatever it is, right? If, If God created the world, Jesus created the world, then Jesus is God. And that's what he's saying here. Jesus is the creator of the world. And so in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, when it says, and the Lord said, it's the voice of God, the voice of Jesus, because Jesus is the creator. And if he's the creator, then that means there is no higher authority than Jesus Christ. There's no higher voice than Jesus Christ. No more authoritative voice than the voice of Jesus. When I worked for um, a cleaning company called Office Pride, did that for about two and a half years, the greatest job of, no. <laughs> I was in sales, and my job was to go knock on as many businesses I, and I, that I could in every day. I walk in, cold call, and say, would you like our company to clean your office? No. All right. Go to the next one, <laughs> Right? But I learned that my goal as a salesperson, after a while of doing this, I was spending a lot of time talking and hearing from a lot of voices that weren't the final decision maker. So I learned real quick, who do I need to find out who is, I need to find out who the final decision maker is. Because it doesn't matter what anyone else in the office says. What matters is what that final decision maker says and that his or her signature goes on the dotted line. It doesn't matter what anyone else in the company has to say, but if the final decision maker says, yes, we select office pride to clean our offices, and he or she signs on the dotted line, that's final. Jesus is a creator of all things. His voice is final. Final. It doesn't matter what anyone else says, but the voice of Jesus and what he says. He's appointed heir, and he shared it with us. He's the creator of the world, and he's the final decision maker. And then he keeps going. I love this. And he says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Now notice it says he's not reflecting the radiance. He is the radiance of the glory of God. If you want to know what the glory of God the distinct, majestic glory of God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what the glorious, splendor, and majestic voice of God sounds like, listen to Jesus. Because he is the radiance of the glory of God. Matthew chapter 17 records in a moment when Jesus takes up onto this mountain three guys, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And while they're on the top of this mountain, like, Jesus transforms. His hair changes color. Like, I mean, his clothes get white. There's, like, this glow around him. And these guys are like, dude, we are not leaving this place because this is amazing. What's happening? Jesus is just reflecting who he really is. The fact that he's God. The fact that he's glory. He's the glory of God. And so when you're listening to the voice of Jesus, you're listening to the voice of glory. Psalm 29, turn there with me. And let us see this glorious voice of Jesus. Psalm 29. 
verse 3. And let me just insert the, the name Jesus for Lord here. The voice of Jesus is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of Jesus is powerful. The voice of Jesus is full of majesty. The voice of Jesus breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a a young wild ox. The voice of Jesus flashes forth flames of fire. And the voice of Jesus shakes the wilderness. Jesus shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And the voice of Jesus makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And what do people say in response? Glory. You can't get a more powerful voice than the voice of Jesus. Because his is the voice of glory. So the writer starts out and he says, listen, The voice of Jesus is better because he's the rightful heir. The voice of Jesus is better because it's the voice of creation. The voice of Jesus is better because it's the voice of glory. And then he keeps going. It's like he gets on a roll here and he starts going to verse 3. Not only is the radiance of the glory of God, he's the exact imprint of his nature. Now the word imprint there means to like an image, like you would stamp an image on a coin or make an engraving in wood. In essence, what he's saying is like, if you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus because Jesus is God. A lot of people have questions, well, what's God like? Just point them to Jesus. Just tell them about him. And he says, not only is the exact imprint, he's the exact imprint of his nature. And we get our English word character from that word nature. So the writer is saying Jesus has the very character, the very essence, the very attributes of God. Why? Because he is God. He's God. He has this distinct nature of being God because he is. Even Jesus said in John 14, 9, he said this. He said to his disciples, he said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I want you to think of some different distinct voices. Right, for me, I think of like Morgan Freeman. Right? I mean, listen to that voice. You can listen to his voice like all day. Right? I mean, just all day. And, or James Earl Jones, like Mufasa and Lion King, right? Or, or Darth Vader. I mean, some distinct voices. Like if you heard their voice, you'd recognize immediately who it is. When you hear the voice of Jesus, We recognize who it is. Why? Because his voice is the voice of God. There is no more distinct voice than his. And even Jesus himself said in John 10, listen, I know my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. Why is his voice better? Because his voice is the voice of God. And he keeps going. He's a radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I mean, just think about that. Think about what's going on right there. Jesus is holding everything up in the universe by his word. All he has to do is say something and we all disintegrate. It's over. That's it. 
And what he tells us is that he's holding up the universe by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17 says that in him he holds everything together. Everything. My boys um, are driving and have been driving for some time. And on occasion I will ride in the passenger seat with them. I know they love that with all their heart. And I can't help but at times just seek to help and try to help their driving. Um, and they're really good drivers. They both are very good drivers. But there's times and have been times and probably will continue to be times when we'll be driving and I'll be like, hey, you need to, you're getting a little over to the right. Why don't you, you know, come back a little bit or, hey, make sure you see that car. You, you just see that car. It's like three miles down the road. Just be aware of it. Okay, just be really cautious. Slow down, speed up. You took that turn a little tight. I was a little nervous, right? And then they're like, Dad, I got it. Dad, I've got this. <laughs> I remember one time with Grant, he's like, he's like driving, he's like, I got it. I'm like, look at the road. You know, I got it. Why is the voice of Jesus better? Because he holds everything together when you can't. He holds everything together when you can't. And his voice is the voice that whispers to you, I got this. I got it. That's why his voice is better. He's holding the universe up by the word of his power. Do we not think he can hold us up too? And then he keeps rolling. He upholds the universe by the word of his power and after making purification for sins. After making purification for sins. Go over to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Hebrews 9, 26. Later in this letter, the, the writer says this. He says, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus' voice is better because his voice, in three words, defeated sin, death, and Satan. It is finished. That's why his voice is better every time. That thing, that infectious heart disease called sin that kept us from becoming family, that keeps us wrapped up in our shame and guilt, Jesus puts it away once and for all, forever, through his blood on the cross. That's good news, people. Why would we want to listen to any other voice and a voice that has done that for us? And what it tells me is that when he makes purification of sins, it's the voice of victory. It's the voice of victory. It's the voice of love. It's the voice of grace. It's the voice of forgiveness. He makes purification for sins. And then he kind of closes this little declaration out by saying, after making purification for sins, I love this. Absolutely love this scene. It says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know why he sat down? Because the work is done. You go to work, 
You work all day. You come home. You set the briefcase down. Where are you going to sit? In your chair. Why? Because work is over. It's done. Jesus goes to the cross. Says, Satan, no more. It's finished. Empties the tomb. Death, it's over. It is finished. Forgiveness is available. Relationship with God restored, available. Eternal life, available. The work is done. And so he heads home, opens the door to the palace of heaven, finds his chair, and sits there because the work is done. It's beautiful. It means I don't need to earn it anymore. I don't need to try to get approval. I got the approval of the Father. I don't need to try to earn it. He did it for me. And he's the better voice because he's the voice of our king. He's the voice of our king. I'm blessed to have my parents with us this weekend. And I remember growing up as a kid, when we'd have dinner around the table, my dad always sat at the head of the table. That was his seat. Right? That was his seat. The position of head, the position of leadership, the position of leader of our home. So Jesus heads home and he sits in his seat, the position of royalty. He's our king, people. He's our king. Man. And so when we question these voices that we're listening to and we get distracted by these other voices, it's as if Jesus looks at us and he says, listen, I know It might be tempting to go back to your religious rituals and religious way of living. I know it might seem easier to listen to another voice, one who doesn't ask so much of you, or one that just tells you what you want to hear. And he says, I know that following me is hard, especially when the voices are threatening to throw you in prison or persecute you. It's as if he's saying, I know it'd be easier to just listen to the voices of culture and conform or just give in to that voice of temptation every time. And he says, I understand that it might be easier to listen to the voice that's in your head. Or to listen to that voice that keeps saying to you, you got to keep earning it. And he says to us, listen, there's a lot of voices talking to you, but there's one that's better than all the others, he says. And it's mine. And my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. And so whenever you're tempted to listen to another voice in the voice of Jesus, you remember that the voice of Jesus is the voice of family, who's made you family. And when you listen to the voice of Jesus, you're listening to the voice of creation, creator, the final voice. And when you're listening to the voice of Jesus, you're listening to the voice of glory and the voice of God and the voice who holds you together when you can't and the voice who said it is finished and the voice of our king, Man, why run to any other voice than his? Why? And so church, what would it look like if we as followers of Jesus actually believed that the voice of Jesus is better than? What would it look like What would it look like if you believed that that other voice, that voice that you named on that card, 
that's distracting you, what would it look like if you actually believed that the voice of Jesus is better than that one? Listen, the, the better voice is not the one in your head. The better voice is not the one you sing along to in the car. Sure, it might be a better singing voice, but it's not the better voice. It's not the voice sitting next to you. It's not the voice in the pulpit, the podium, or the podcast. It's the voice of the one who sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. That's the better voice. At the end of The Greatest Showman, it's as if P.T. Barnum wakes up. Right? He realizes what he's been doing. That he's been distracted by this other voice. And he realizes it. And what's he do? He runs home to the one who's always loved him. And to the one who loves him most. Because that voice is everything. And he recognizes he may lose it all. But he realizes that that's not losing anything. Because I have everything when I'm with the one who loves me most. And so here's the challenge for us this morning. And I'm going to ask the band to come. The challenge for you and for me is to surrender that distracting voice. To surrender it. And to spend time listening for and listening to the voice of Jesus. Well, what's that mean? What's that look like? Well, let me give you some examples. In those moments of loneliness, hear the voice of Jesus saying, I'll never leave you. Your family. When life seems to be spinning out of control for you or for someone you love, hear his voice whisper to you, I got it. I've got this. When the voice of your sinful past or sinful present breathes heavy on your heart, hear the same voice that cried out, at the cross, say to you in love, I forgive you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you sense the Spirit saying, you know, I need to speak to that friend or that coworker about Jesus, hear the voice of Jesus say to you, go, I'm with you. What would it look like, church, if we, just, just us in this room, actually believed that the voice of Jesus is better. What would that say to the people you're, you go to work with, the people you're on campus with, the people in your home or on your street? What would it say? And in a moment, we're going to sing, and here's what I want us to do. We normally don't give like an invitation kind of thing. But if you're willing to say this morning, Jesus, I'm surrendering this other voice. And I'm going to lay it at the cross, believing, even though I may not feel it, but believing that your voice, Jesus, is better. And I want to challenge you at any moment as we sing these next couple of songs. You come to the front and you surrender the distracting voice at the cross. And, and by doing that, you're just simply expressing what you're hearing in your heart, which is, I believe, Jesus, your voice is better. I believe your, your voice is better. So I surrender this other distracting voice so that I can hear yours. And so if you would stand, let's stand.
And as we sing this morning, I want to challenge you as I challenge myself to surrender that distracting voice to the voice who loves you more than anyone or anything, to the voice who loves you most. Father, thank you for being with us this morning. Father, I pray that we would be open to what your spirit is saying to each of us right now and in this moment. And before I close my prayer, maybe there's someone that is here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I don't need to just surrender one voice. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Because I've been listening to a lot of other voices, even the voice of doubt, even the voice that's kept me from surrendering my life. But today, I'm surrendering it all to Jesus, believing that his death on the cross and his resurrection makes me clean and makes me whole. And if that's you this morning, then here's what I want you to do. I just want you to write the word, my life, on that card. And you lay that at the cross as an expression of your heart to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, forgive me. Forgive me, please. God, as we've had conversation this week, you and me, I confess again, even this morning, that need to to listen to that voice for approval. I lay that at your feet. I lay it at the cross, believing that you're better, that you love me, that I belong to you. God, move now. Lord Jesus, you reign, you are king. And receive these expressions as a sacrifice to you of our heart. And receive our words of singing and song as a sacrifice of praise. Amen.